following is a production of Word Alive Creative Arts. Welcome to the podcast of Word Alive International Outreach in Oxford, Alabama, an apostolic center for transformation and freedom. We pray today that you will be blessed and strengthened by this powerful message. I have the privilege of being in a lot of different places, but I love it when God sends me somewhere. Several years ago, the Lord spoke to me, and I, I, I get numbers and numbers of invitations every year. And the Lord just said to me, he said, I want you to stop taking invitations. I want you to go places on assignment. And so we reduced about 80% of all of our invitations. We just said, no, they're not our assignment. But we do know that every place that God speaks to us about, we have an assignment there. And I believe I'm here on assignment today. I'm going to preach to some and I'm going to prophesy to others. So you can identify yourself while I talk, which one it is. But I just believe that God is stirring something. It's not business as usual. I'm going to try that one more time. I'm not expecting Groundhog Day. It's not business as usual. If you're, if you're an ongoing part of this congregational life, you should come here every week with your eyes wide open like a deer in headlights because you don't know what's next. Last night I was in my hotel room, and thank you so much for your hospitality, and the Lord just began to speak to me. So I didn't, I didn't have a – I carry this iPad with me because I've got a lot of stuff in here I've done. But this came off of my hotel bed next to me, and I just scribbled all this stuff down because the Holy Spirit began to just talk to me. And he asked me a question. He said, what, what happens when your next is now? What do you do when your next is now? Because I found out that Christians fall in love with next. And we endure now. Can I, can I, can I take my, y'all found out I got a sport coat. Can I take it off? Is that okay? Okay. Thank you so much. Um, when you, when you recognize that your tomorrows are in your todays, then everything starts now. The reason people are in love with next is because next only demands hope. Now demands faith. Because you can't have faith about Thursday. You can only have hope about Thursday. But you can have faith about Sunday. Hmm? And when you recognize that I believe this house, I, I, I believe that God is saying to this house, your next is in your now. You think it begins in 220, but it actually begins in 219. It's already begun. Come on, just look at your neighbor and say, it's already begun. Everybody has certain assignments on their life, and, and people particularly who have an assignment to, to communicate to the body of Christ, 
Some have a, a, a real assignment to motivate people. Other has a real assignment to liberate people. Whatever it is, uh, some people, you know, have real prophetic insights about the future and the end times. That's not me. Somebody coming to me. If you travel very much, people come and ask you questions. They say, do you believe this is the last generation before Jesus comes? Well, I do have the answer to that one. It is for you. This is the last chance you get to go around, so it's the last generation for you. So whether you go by way of the rapture or way of the grave, it's your last generation. So you better live it with all you got. Hallelujah. But the assignment that's on my life has got to do with transformation. Because there's, how many of you know that if you don't know what your purpose is, find out what agitates you and you'll begin to get a discovery of what you're purposed for. If you hate poverty, you'll find out you have a purpose to somehow help eradicate poverty. If you hate racism, if it makes you frustrated, then you have an assignment to help bring an end to that because your purpose is often indicated by what agitates you. Hmm? I have a real agitation over people who claim to be something, but there's no evidence of it in their life. It's one thing to sing that I'm in victory. I mean, it's another thing to give evidence I'm in victory. Talk to me, somebody. When you recognize, how many of you recognize that when God birthed everybody in the room, I'm, I'm going I'm to read my scripture in a minute. Don't take this off my preaching time yet. All three members of the Godhead gave gifts. Most full gospel churches only think about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But all three members of the Godhead gave gifts. God the Father gave gifts. They're listed in Romans chapter 12. They're the things that God put in your life by divine design. They're part of your DNA. They're part of your personality. And the reason is, is because he gave you the personality you have because of the assignment for what you were purposed for. Hmm? If you were the life of the party before you got saved, and now you're the biggest grump in town, you didn't get saved, you got religion. Because Jesus doesn't come to crucify your personality, he comes to sanctify it. So he can use it for his benefit. And for his kingdom. So God the Father put certain things in your DNA. He said some people, he put in their DNA that they were going to be people of compassion. They have mercy gifts. How many of you know some people not even saved or merciful? How many of you know if you want a nurse in the hospital room, you want somebody's got a gift of mercy somewhere. If, I, if, I'm, if I'm hurting, I don't need a prophet. I need somebody to come make me feel better. He said there's some people who have the gift of administration. In other words, their life is orderly. Everything about their they can straighten their garage without speaking in tongues. It's their nature. It's just a part of who they are. It doesn't matter whose prayer line you put them in, they're not going to get rid of it. I had a guy that used to travel with me. He was on our team. And he'd get, when he'd take his clothes out in the hotel, he'd put all of his trousers, and he'd put all of his shirts, and he'd put all of his coats. And then he'd take his fingers and put between each hanger so there'd be an inch and a half between every hanger. I just want to mess his hair up. I thought, you, you bug me. But it's who he is. 
He said there's some people that are by nature prophetic. In, in, in Romans 12, that's not people that verbalize prophecy. It's people that have a prophetic nature. They're yes and no people. They're black and white. If you don't want to know what they're thinking, don't ask. Because they will tell you and they won't take into account your feelings while they're telling you. They'll believe Jesus can heal you. I mean, you know, anybody know what I'm talking about, huh? So the truth of the matter is, is that if you have, if you have somebody that's very prophetic, marry somebody that's very merciful, that's called marriage counseling. <laughs> God the Son gave gifts. God the Father gave gifts of purpose. It was in your DNA. God the Son gave gifts. That's called people. It's called people. Ephesians chapter 4 says, When he ascended on high, he led captivity captive. And he gave gifts to men. And he lists the gifts. He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers. Now, I grew up in a church. We didn't have any prophets. We were a nonprofit organization. Even the government knew that. (laughs) And all the apostles had been dead for thousands of years. So we didn't have any apostles either. But how many of you know Jesus didn't quit giving them? So he gave people because how many of you know you never understand purpose until the right people come in your life? It's always more important who you're under than who you're over. Because if you don't get under the right anointing, you never get awakened to the things you were created for. Hmm? So he puts people, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints. The word for in the Greek language literally means ultimate intention. So the ultimate intention for pastors and evangelists and prophets is not to do the ministry. It's to equip saints to do ministry. I had like five amens right there. How many of you know that means that a pastor you can't hire? Because you can't hire a gift. You only receive one. Hallelujah. I love, I love the spirit of honor that's in this house. But how many of you know when gifts come into your life, you just receive them? Amen. Amen? There are churches all over America that don't know how to receive gifts. One of the things that's marked this house is I, there's a spirit of honor in this house. I, when I came last night, I saw it everywhere. And because you receive gifts, how many of you know God keeps on giving? Come on, how many, how many of you have ever shopped... I know we're coming up on Christmas time. How many of you ever shopped at Christmas for somebody? You spent a lot of time trying to find a gift you thought would be just the right one. And you wanted to be there when they opened it. Huh? You don't even care that it took you three months after Christmas to pay for it on the credit card. You just wanted to be there. You wanted to see their expression when they opened the gift that you took all that time to find. Hmm? And how many of you know if they just treat it like, oh, yeah, thank you, I got three of those. And they throw it under the tree. You may not say it, but in your mind, you go, it's Walmart for you next year. Hmm? It's Walmart for you. Hmm? I just believe, I believe that Jesus looks over the seals of heaven, and he looks at churches and go, let me see how you're handling the gifts I gave you. Because God created a man and a woman and many men and women that are part of this team, not for them, but for you.
One of the things I had to learn a long time ago is my gift, my gift can't help me. We'll try that one more time. My gift can't help me. My gift was not given to me for me. It was given for the people I was sent to. That's, that's why you can't all the time help yourself. God has to put people in your life. So when I recognize that people are given to me as gifts, Kent Maddox is a gift. This incredible team is a gift. Come on, somebody ought to help me thank Jesus for the gift of God. And God, the Holy Spirit gave gifts. He gave gifts of power. He gave gifts of power so you could carry out purpose. I'm going to wait on you. You're worth waiting on. Come on. How many of you know they? We have relegated the gifts of the Holy Spirit to the auditorium. But the truth of the matter is the gifts of the Holy Spirit work just as well in the mall as they do in here. I, I have three daughters, and uh, my wife and I have been married 41 years. I have three daughters, seven grandchildren. But because I have three daughters and a wife, I mean, you know, I haven't had an opinion in 40 years. All three of my daughters and their husbands are in ministry. And my son-in-law just got a hold of that principle. He said, he said, Pops, I really believe that gifts of the Spirit work anywhere. So we have morning prayer times, and we finish prayer in, in the mornings. He'll head to Walmart, and he'll head down to Target. He'll head somewhere, and he'll just stand in the store till the Lord begins to give him words of knowledge about people. And every week he has people get healed after prayer times, just going in and walking up to people in the grocery store saying, uh, the Lord just tells me, he didn't say the Lord, he didn't, he didn't scare them. He just goes, are you having trouble with your kidneys? I don't know why, I just walked by and felt like he's having trouble with your kidneys. Oh, yeah, I will. Can I pray for you? And people get healed and they start weeping in Walmart going, how did, that, how did you know that? How many, how many of you know if you, parent, if you parent by the gifts of the Spirit? Your teenagers will wonder how you knew all that. Come on. I remember when my girls were growing up, I'd just show up at places all of a sudden they were going to. And they'd go, what? how'd you know I was here? I said, the Holy Spirit knows everything. I mean, you know, a businessman or a businesswoman that operates by the word of knowledge, your competitors can't compete with that. So when you reckon, if you lay hands on a contract and pray in the Spirit and God gives you a word to change something, how many of you know the Holy Spirit knows everything? So all the gifts that came to you and I from heaven, I think we ought to thank God for them today because you have a purpose, God's given you people, and you have the power to fulfill what it is that God's put in your life. If you're happy for that, would you just give the Lord a great big shout this morning? Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Because God is about to release some powerful people from Word Alive all over Alabama. No, that was pretty weak. I said, God's about to release some people into a whole nother realm that they've never walked in before. It's my custom to stand for the reading of the Word. Would you mind standing with me as I read together? I'm reading from Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, a very very familiar passage of scripture, but I want to just draw your attention to a couple of things from it. Mark chapter 10, verse number 46. It says, now when they, now they came to Jericho, 
That means Jesus and his entourage. Now they came to Jericho, period. And as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer. Rise. He's calling you. And throwing aside his garments. Would you say that with me? And throwing aside his garments, he rose and came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabboni, that I might receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. And Mark says, And immediately. And immediately. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. Father, I pray over the next few minutes you'll saturate this room with your presence. Holy Spirit, you're the author of the book. I ask you to teach us what it means. Reveal it to us today. Lord, I give you my voice, my thoughts, my, my ability to communicate. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'll use it to articulate the heart of the Father. To that end, I make myself available in Jesus' name. Everybody shout amen. amen. I dare you to high-five three people and tell them, I refuse to stay here. Hallelujah. I, I uh, grew up, most of my life until I went to college, I was raised in the greater Washington, D.C. area. Most people try to get out of there. In my childhood, we moved from right up in D.C. out to northern Virginia and into a place that was a little bit removed from the city. My dad and grandparents had had businesses that operated out there, and we moved a little bit closer to the uh, rural part of northern Virginia. Now, when you're a teenager and you're living in a small town that may be adjacent to a big city, but it's not there, it's like light years away, because when you're a teenager, you don't have transportation. And so the friends that do have transportation, it's basically involved in your traveling is like from the McDonald's parking lot to the Burger King parking lot on Friday nights as you make your circle through town to see people. And because there wasn't a whole lot to do uh, in the immediate area where I grew up, we had perfected the sport of television watching. We were incredible television watchers. And one of the favorite programs of those days was one that some people in this room may remember. It was one that was entitled The Jeffersons. George and Wheezy. And it had a song that went something like this. 
I'm moving on up to the east side, to a deluxe apartment in the sky. Some of y'all watch the Jeffersons too. I'm moving on up to the east side. I finally got a piece of the pie. And it's the story about people who went from places of limitation, disadvantaged, unrecognized, to a place of significance, a role that caused other people's lives to be affected. And the Holy Spirit began to speak to me that God had visited this house, not just for this house, but because there were people here that God was moving them out of places of disadvantagement, incapacitation, into a place where they would be impactful difference makers. God was going to awaken things that had lied dormant. It's an interesting statement that the narrator narrator Mark tells us about this passage. He makes the statement, and they came to Jericho. Now, he could have went on and said they came to Jericho, and the mayor met him, and there was a parade, and awesome things happened, but he doesn't say anything. He just says, they came to Jericho, period, and as they left Jericho. Sometimes when you read the Bible, it's not only important what is said, it's important what's not said. Because sometimes what's not said, particularly in Mark's writings, what's not said becomes just as powerful as what is said. Because by leaving out that information, by drawing that little short sentence, they came to Jericho, period. And as they left Jericho, they're set by the road a blind beggar named Blind Bartimaeus. He's leaving us with this information that Jesus, the miracle worker, the way maker, the mountain mover, the the, the river opener, the one who makes blind eyes open, the one who'd raised the dead, came to a city and nobody noticed. How many many of you believe church would be more full today if we just said Jesus was going to be at Word Alive today? I mean, if people actually really thought Jesus was going to be here today, how many of you believe there might have been a traffic jam of people trying to get in here? But the truth of the matter is, is that Jesus, with his entourage, with his publicity team, with all of the reports that had gone out about him, came to a place called Jericho, and Jericho didn't have any time for Jesus. Not the mayor was coming, not a presidential visit. The Son of God was coming to Jericho. And the reason that's significant is because this. That means that there was nobody. How many of you believe there were probably needs in Jericho that day? There's probably a lot of needs in Jericho that day. But here's the the point Mark's trying to make. With all of the needs that were present, nobody made a demand on the one who could solve the problem. They were content to stay as they were. They were content, watch this, to make peace with their disappointment. They were content to make peace with their limitation. They made no demand on Jesus. 
Now, there might be multiple reasons why they, why they made no demand on Jesus, but the, the truth of the matter is, is that he was there to do anything that was possible. But low expectation kept them from reaching for anything different than they are. How many of you are glad you go to a house that the expectation level in this room is that anything can happen? Somebody ought to be helping me. But here's, here's what happens. This happens in Alabama. This happens in Oklahoma. This happens in the greatest churches in America. You begin to believe this is normal. I ain't feeling no love over here. I'm going to go over here on this side. You begin to believe this is normal. You begin to believe that everywhere in America experiences this. You begin to believe that this is commonplace and that it doesn't really matter what you do when you're in the middle of it because it's going to be here next week and it's going to be here the week after this and it'll be here the week after that. But the truth of the matter is, ladies and gentlemen, I've been a lot of places all over this nation and what's happening in this house is not normal. It is very unusual. It is a divine Kairos moment. It is a God visitation. It is something that has to be paid attention to. God is raising up a group of people in Alabama that will not take normal for a way of life. People spend their whole life trying to be normal. But normal ain't working. Let me tell you what normal is. Normal is broke. Normal is work, pay, living from paycheck to paycheck. Normal is having to take anxiety medicine. Normal is having fusses and fights and fussing with kids. That's normal. But the reality is God used a lot of terms in this Bible to describe his people. He called them peculiar. He called them special. He called them chosen. He called them redeemed. He called them overcomers. But nowhere did he call them normal. If I got anybody in the room that's ready to be anything other than normal, I dare you to give him a shout of praise. But Jericho treated him as common. Now listen to me. You can never receive from anything you treat as common. You'll quit receiving from your marriage if you treat it. I ain't got no help. I just hit a, I hit a, I hit a vein right there. Come on, just breathe. Just breathe. It's okay. Just breathe. How many of you know your creative juices dried up when you went to work every day and treated it as common? Faith begins to dry up when Jesus is in town and you treat it as common. May this never become familiar. 
to this house. Am, am I doing all right? Can I keep going? He came to Jericho, period. And as he went out of Jericho, there sat by the road a blind man named Bartimaeus who was begging. Now, isn't it interesting that God uses a blind man to perceive what seeing people couldn't perceive? Because perception and sight are two different things. You see through your eyes, but you don't see with your eyes. Let me try that over here. I just I went to the back wall. Let me. I'm just. This is a physiological truth. You see through your eyes, but you don't see with your eyes. Your eyes don't tell you what you're looking at. That's why when they asked Helen Keller, what was it like all those years? Was there something that could have been any worse than her having become blind because of a doctor's mistake when she was four years old? And she said, my greatest feeling and of compassion is not for those who, have, who are blind, but for those who have sight and can't see. Here's why. God didn't create your eyes to tell you what you were looking at. God created your eyes to catch light rays. Light rays come through your eyes, pass through your retina, end up at your optic nerve. From your optic nerve, they go to your brain stem, and from your brain stem, communicate to your body and tell you how to react to what you're looking at. So if we could have hid you in a closet your whole life and told you that this is yellow, this is yellow. And then we brought you out today, and somebody said to you, how did you like Bishop's uh, blue shirt? You'd have said, that ain't blue. That's yellow. And you'd have said, no, it's blue. And they'd have said, no, it's yellow. And if we could come back next week and do that for about three weeks in a row, we'd have a church split. The yellow people would have been over here, and the blue people would have been over here. Because everybody watched this, they would have seen it the way they perceived it. That's all through the Bible. In fact, Jesus was received the way he was perceived. Uh, let me try that one more time. Jesus was received the way he was perceived. Everybody didn't get all the full load from him because they didn't perceive him that way. He goes to a woman at the well and begins to talk to her, having a conversation with her. She wants to have a theological argument over where to worship. Jesus begins to answer her questions. Next thing she goes, she says this, I perceive that thou art a prophet. He said, okay, you perceive I'm a prophet? I'll prophesy. You've had five husbands and the man you're living with now is not your husband. I mean, you know, she probably wished she'd have perceived him as a teacher. Because you receive the way you perceive. 
Nicodemus came to Jesus by night. He said, I perceive that thou art a teacher sent from God. Nobody says what you say unless God's with them. Jesus said, you perceive I'm a teacher? Okay, sit down. I'll teach you how to get in the kingdom. Left of the man's born again. He can't enter into the kingdom of God. He, re- he was received the way he was perceived. You say, what are you saying? I'm saying Bartimaeus perceived something that people with eyesight could not understand. And there are churches being raised up all over America right now that are portals of heaven. And they are not looking with natural eyes, and they're not prophesying off of yesterday's newspaper. They're actually speaking from a world that is about to come. Their next is already in their now. They are declaring something now because they're perceiving it by faith that is not here yet, but it is moving them to action. This house will always receive the way it perceives. If you don't believe you need anything, you'll go home and say, I'm glad I went to church. But it'll just be church. But if you walk through the doors going, I perceive the answer for my anxiety is in the room. I perceive the answer for my marriage is in the room. I perceive the answer for my children is in the room. If you perceive, you begin to receive because it moves you to make a demand on what is present. So here's a man. Let, let, me, let, me, let me hurry. i got to hurry. Here's a man whose name gives us an indication of maybe what had happened to him. It said his name was Blind Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus. You know, in the Greek language, the word B-A-R, B-A-R in front of anything, B-A-R means son of, son of. So he is the son of Timaeus. The name Timaeus carries with it an implication of somebody who's highly recognized or has been highly exposed. That's what it means. But to the root of the word Timaeus means this contaminated or polluted. So in other words, Mark is telling us there's a man who is disengaged on the sidelines, incapacitated and without a vision because somewhere in his life he became the offspring of something that polluted him. Who knows what it was? It could have been church hurt. It could have been a divorce. It could have been rejection, betrayal. It could have been somebody took advantage, abuse. All we know is that he lost his vision and he was sidelined because of what polluted him. He's the offspring of an experience that left him on the sidelines. I came to talk to people today who are in a place. Now, watch this, watch this, watch this. His legs worked. His arms worked. His ears worked. His voice worked. But his eyes wouldn't work. See, some of you have convinced yourself 
that because your marriage is good and because work's good, then everything's good. And then there's others of you who have convinced yourself that because church is good and work's good, you can put up with a on-the-rocks marriage. But what you don't realize is the area that you're dysfunctional is the area that incapacitates you. Even when you have the facilities to move, if you do walk around, you bump into stuff. You have no clear ability and direction. Am I helping anybody in the building? Even if you do hear things, you don't all the time know what to do with them because you can't see how to get to where you want to go. So Bartimaeus perceives that the answer to his dysfunction is coming down the road. Nobody in my city saw him. But I perceive an answer is in the immediate area of where I am. And here's how he did it. Three things. Watch this. First thing. And this is how, this is what will move you out of a place where you will no longer be able to stay where you're at. First thing is this. It says, and Bartimaeus heard that Jesus was coming. Somebody say, he heard. He heard. Everything in the kingdom begins with what you hear. I'm going to try that one more time. Everything in the kingdom begins by what you hear. Sound always precedes power. Genesis chapter 1, the earth was without form and void. Darkness covered the face of the deep. Chaos was everywhere. God wanted to bring the earth that was in disorder back into order. So what did he do? He has the power to create planets. He could have created new universes. He could have taken the whole blob and just remake it. But he didn't because, watch this, God never intended to work with his hands after creation. From that day forward, he intended to work with his mouth. I ain't, got, I ain't got time to unpack that. But many of you spend all your life working with your hands when you ought to be working with your mouth. There are some things you ought not be struggling with. There are some things you ought to be speaking to. If you understood the power that was in your voice, Jesus said, if any man will say unto this mountain. He didn't say, listen, you don't need to be talking to God about your mountain. You need to be talking to your mountain about your God. Get out of my way. The earth was without form and void. Darkness covered the face of the deep. And God said, sound preceded manifestation. Acts chapter 2, they were all together in one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the room where they were gathered. And cloven tongues of fire rested upon them. And then they were all filled. What filled the room filled them. Somebody going to get this today. There is a sound being released out of Word Alive that is about to fill Alabama. It's about to fill your house. It's about to fill a generation. Hey! 
Bartimaeus heard, heard that Jesus was coming. Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Watch this. Faith comes by hearing. Faith leaves by hearing. Most of the time, your faith drained out of your life when negative reports were bigger in your ears than his word was. Because everything moves in your life by what you hear. That's why Jesus said this. Jesus told his disciples, he said, don't only be careful what you hear. In Mark 4, he said, be careful how you hear. Because listen, 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 don't miss this. Whoever is informing you is forming you. Whoever is informing your life is shaping your life. So whoever has your ear has your future. So if you're going to stand down on the corner and talk to Boo Boo and he's dumb as a bag of rocks, how many of you know your future is full of rocks? Well, well, Bishop, I, I went down and talked to some of my friends at work yesterday. I told them about what was happening, but they just said they don't really believe that's really true. They don't, know, they don't really believe the state of Alabama can have the glory of God all over it. And I said, so what do you think? Well, you know, I, uh, Bubba and Boo Boo and... All these guys, they've been my friends for a long time. Okay, then go live with Bubba and Boo Boo. But there is somebody who's hearing a different sound. And Bartimaeus heard that Jesus was coming. And what he heard brought him to a place of decision. How many of you know, watch this, everything that you hear, you have to take it to an intersection of your life, whether you're going to receive it or whether you're going to discard it. How many of you know there's some things you just need to let go? People walk up to me and go, did you hear about, and I said, I'm, I'm, I'm so glad not knowing. Please don't mess up my joy by telling me. Because everything I hear, I have to run through an intersection. As to whether or not I'm going to let it form my life, or whether I'm going to discard it and say, nope, I'm not going to let my life continue to be dysfunctional. And when Bartimaeus heard that Jesus was coming, it moved him to a place of action. And the Bible says, and he began to cry out. Somebody say, cry out. Cry. How many of you know it's okay to go to a church where people cry out? Yeah. I hope it was okay for me to say that. Is it okay? Yeah, okay. I felt it was by this point. <laughs> Bartimaeus began to cry out. But watch what he said. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Come on, say that with me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Wow. But whoa, hold up. 
wait a minute. This is a blind man. How did he know that he was, he understood he was Jesus. Everybody knew he was Jesus. They'd heard the stories about Jesus. But how did he know he was the son of David? That would have only been taught in the synagogue. Only the religious elite would have known or, and most of them tried to discredit it, that he was of the lineage of David. Because every Jew knew that the day would come when David had been promised that there would not lack for somebody to sit on his throne and that his throne was going to be an everlasting throne and that his victory was going to be an everlasting victory and there would be no enemy that would defeat the throne of David. Every Jew had been taught that from the time they was young. But in order to be taught all of the scriptures in the synagogue, you can't be blind, you can't be lame, you can't have any physical defects and go into the synagogue. So here's a man that, watch this, church world had said you're disqualified for revelation. But how many of you know church may sit you out on the side of the road, but God will still communicate when the world says in church world that you don't qualify, God will still give a revelation to the people that have been disenfranchised and let them know that the victorious one is now in their midst. Oh, hallelujah. For everybody in this room that's been told you don't qualify, I came to tell you God will find you on the roadside where you have been disqualified. feel that inside of me. What would happen all over Alabama if this house begins to let everybody in Alabama know if you've been disqualified and disenfranchised and even the church world has set you on the side and said you don't matter, but all of a sudden heaven begins to give them a download that they've been called, they've been redeemed, they've been chosen, they can be healed. What would happen? I'm about to feel like I'm at home. Our church is about 55% people of color. We have 32 nations in our church. We have to put up one-way signs to get everybody running in the same direction. <laughs> Tua, his uncle attends my church. Did up until he just he just moved. He's a big Samoan guy. He's about 6'4", about 300 pounds. And he comes across the front waving a towel. <laughs> I saw the other week a little woman, a little African-American woman, was coming around the corner running. I saw him coming this way, and I thought, oh, my God. <laughs> Jesus! Son of David! Have mercy on me. And watch this, it was not the crowd, it was the disciples that said to him, Shh, 
We don't, we don't do that in our church. Shh. God, I'm blind. My answer's here. I, I, I understand, but shh. We don't, we don't do that. Jesus hasn't got time for you. He's here with the disciples, the apostles. And the Bible says that when they told him to be quiet, I can't wait to get to heaven and see the DVD. I don't know that he did this, but this is how Tony would have done it. I'd have went, come, come closer. Tell me that again. And I can just imagine Peter when I'm leaning down going, shh, don't, 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 be, don't be making all that noise. And Bartimaeus went, come, come closer. Jesus! <laughs> Son of David! He put his desperation on display. Here's what's amazing. The Bible says, and Jesus stopped. He'd come through town. The bank president didn't get him to stop. The mayor didn't get him to stop. The university president didn't get him to stop. The pharisaical leaders didn't get him to stop. But a blind man who knew how to put his desperation on display stopped the Son of God in his tracks and Jesus said bring him to me and now those same disciples those same, this is why you can't live by public opinion those same disciples that were telling him shh don't do that we don't do that here now they're saying oh you ought to rejoice he's calling your name he's, he's calling you you are you're the star of the day he calls you People that last year believed this was crazy. Oh, you ain't got no, ain't nobody going to help me. Some of those people that you went to the family reunion and you don't even tell them you come to this church because you know if you did, they would describe you in psychological terms. But you wait till their blindness shows up and they get something in their life they don't have an answer for. And last year, what was unacceptable, all of a sudden this year, it's going to be, it's my turn. The Bible says that he called him and said, come here, bring him here. Don't miss this. And the Bible says, and Bartimaeus throwing aside his garments got up Because in Jesus' day, just like today, in the Middle East in particular, but really all over the world, 
people were known by the garments they wore. A blind man couldn't get anybody to help him home if he wasn't identified as a blind man. If a policeman walks in this room in a uniform, how many of you know we know he's a policeman? You go into certain countries in the Middle East or Africa today, the garments they wear will tell you who they are. And Bartimaeus said, Watch, he wasn't healed. He couldn't see. He just said, I'm not going to need this identity no more. I don't, I, I don't know what's going to happen, but I know I'm not going to be needing those blind man clothes no more. I may have used to have been a drug addict, but I ain't wearing no drug addict clothes no more. I may have used to have been an alcoholic, but I ain't wearing no alcoholic clothes no more. I may have used to have been a divorcee, but I'm not wearing my hurt clothes no more. I might have used to have been rejected, but I'm not wearing no rejection clothes no more. I'm changing my identity. Watch this. And he got up and he came towards Jesus. Now remember, he's a blind man. He's a blind man. How did he know where to go? He followed the sound. <laughs> I don't know exactly where it is, but I hear it coming from over here. That's what happens to a church who learns to follow the sound. Because Alabama is not going to be changed by religion. Alabama is going to be changed when the sound in Alabama changes. Because if you do, it's going to leave you on the sideline and you're going to be begging for something different in life. I understand that he walked out. That is an experience. Not a judgment for the rest of your life. I understand that the doctor gave you a says I don't have to live wearing a label that I'm a victim of sickness infirmity habits heritage but you don't understand Bishop I'm a, I'm a young black man young black men in America don't have any hope no 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 quit wearing those clothes quit wearing those clothes white man didn't make you and a white man can't permit you there's one who sits on the throne who made you before your mama ever knew you 
before your mom and daddy ever met in a Chevrolet. He fashioned you. And he came to Jesus. And when he got there, Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? What do you want? What would happen today? The people in the balcony of Jesus just looked at you and said, What do you want? What do you want? Word of life, what do you want? He said, Well, I just want whatever the Lord wants. That's lame. I understand the spirit of it. Thank you for being gracious. But that's lame. Do you remember when Peter walked on water? Read that account sometime. Nowhere in Scripture was it ever Jesus' idea for Peter to walk on water. Jesus didn't come up and say, hey, boys, any of y'all want to try this? Any of y'all want to walk on water? Peter saw something beyond where he was. And he said, I'm tired of rowing this boat. But if my mentor can do it, I want to do it. And he said to Jesus, I want to walk on water. Jesus said, oh, wow. Okay, come on. What do you want? Shambach asked a lady one night, she said, what do you want me to pray for? She said, oh, Brother Shambach, just pray for anything. Pray for anything. I don't care what you pray for. He laid his hands on her. He said, Lord, I pray you kill her in Jesus' name. She said, no, Brother Shambach, I don't want that. He said, make up your mind what you want. Because I can't pray in faith until you know where we're going to locate it. What are you asking for? Are, are you asking for every county? Are you asking for fruit in every county? Are you asking for something to radically shift the state? What do you want me to do for you? And Jesus said to him, you say, why would Jesus make him say that? He said, what do you want? And Bartimaeus said, I want to receive my sight why would Jesus do that because listen listen he can never fix what you won't admit Jesus I'm mad okay I ain't got a problem with that I can fix that feel rejected glad you finally admitted it I can fix that I feel like I'm left out okay I can help that I feel misunderstood got it no problem but I can't fix it
Jesus doesn't have to have a full-week revival meeting. He just looks at him and says, your faith has made you whole. You just moved from begging for something to happen in your future, and you stepped into a now faith moment. And immediately, This has been a presentation of Word Alive International Outreach, 122 Allendale Road, Oxford, Alabama. Reach us by phone at 256-831-5280 or at our website, wordalive.org. This has been a production of Word Alive Creative Arts.